This week on the Boag World Show, we look at the topic of psychology and why every digital professional should pay attention to it, whatever their role. This week's show is sponsored by Testing Time and my own online course on improving how you run projects. Hello and welcome to the Boag World Show, the podcast about all aspects of the user experience design, digital strategy and working in digital. My name is Paul Boag and I'm joined by my co-host Marcus Lillington. Hello Marcus Lillington. <laughs> Hello Paul Boag. It's something about your name that just cries out to be said in that way. It's quite hard to go. pronounce if you don't... If you don't you know, properly say it. And yes, it. You have to say yes. Lillington and then it's okay. But if you if you just sort of stumble over it, it sounds stumbled. Mm. But mm. hey. I got some new so, glasses. Do you like them? They're a bit they're a bit ooh, Oh they're nice. Ooh, look at ooh. that. Ooh. Of course the people listening to the audio <laughs> podcast don't get to enjoy nice tortoise shell glasses. Very, very yeah. stylish. But on the front yeah. they're just like plain. It's like Yeah. Oh oh no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, have you know? Talking of vanity, mm. <laughs> right? Have you noticed uh, noticed my new quality webcam? Do you, yeah. Do you like my new quality webcam that nobody can see on the audio either? Uh, is you it, can't see any difference, do you? You well, you're often very blurry for me, Paul. But I think that's co- connectivity rather that's than connectivity. The yeah. yeah, yeah, but I shouldn't be as 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 burnt out now. You know, I haven't got big white lodges on my face except for obviously here on my forehead which yeah. shines like the sun because of my big bold head this is so exciting for the listener i uh, know yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely boring boring so i i tell you one little thing this will make you laugh this will make um uh everybody in the chat room laugh right um i'm going to post it into the chat room so they can see it. it's a tweet that i received this week mm-hmm. right this book just sent my five-year-old to sleep. Not sure what this means. She finds the UX field boring or comforting. And it's my frigging book. My book <laughs> sends children to sleep. Well, uh, therefore it is magic because we all know how hard it can be to get children which to go to was, sleep. Which was exactly what I said. <laughs> I, I actually think that could increase the sales of the book. By because a million cares? fold, Paul. Exactly. <laughs> Much bigger audience, right, of people interested in getting their kids to sleep than there is people interested in user experience. So there mm-hmm. we go. So so I, I want to thank you, Lizzie, for, for sharing that on Twitter. Because <laughs> I just, that, that made my day. That, that really amused me. So there you go. Anything else happened this week, Paul? Um, I've been desperately trying to finish the next chapter of the book to get it out in time for the, um, uh, to meet my deadline. I had a deadline tomorrow and I've Ah. just finished the chapter. So I was feeling about good about that. And I'll tell you something else that I've done, which is, um, is interesting. I've moved away from MailChimp as my email, um, you know, that I send email news. Yeah, I saw you talking about something else, but I can't remember. Yeah. It's called ConvertKit. It's really good, actually. It's really powerful. Got great user interface. Shows you the importance of a user interface because it's not that it does really anything that you couldn't, in theory, do in MailChimp. Mm-hmm. But if you did it in MailChimp, you'd have to dr- jump through a lot of hoops and it's complicated. Mm-hmm. While this thing makes it really easy. So, you know, interesting. There's cool. a case study there somewhere, I think, on something. Yes. Okay, drink, sorry. Just you drink, drinking drink. Guinness there, Paul? It does look like Guinness, doesn't it? No. <laughs> In a pint, no, it's pint just, glass, yes. It's, it's Coke, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> right. What we're we talking about this week. Oh, before we're going to be talking about psychology this week, um, which is uh, my pet subject. So this could be a really long show. I need to, to rein it in <laughs> um, because I really, I've seriously got into this. But more importantly, before that, We've got to, we've got to, I love the way I yeah, word yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah, got yeah. to endure Marcus's thought for the day. Yes. <laughs> so you what do, you got right? for us, Marcus? 
What I've got, right. Well, I, I think I, I, in your notes, Paul, I called it Listen and Hear, but my title here is Bloody Listen, You Idiot. Uh, <laughs> so yeah it's a, just kind of talking to myself about experiences over this year but anyway i was looking back through old thoughts for the day you know two or three years ago uh, and i was talking and and this is from an old thought for the day so i'm just going to quote myself here briefly when i was talking about responding to a brief that somebody sent you so i said um uh, it, well no it's a reason why you might have not won something so th- in this case yeah. it's you suggested an alternative solution that you think and probably is better but it simply wasn't what they thought they wanted or it wasn't what yes. they wanted so sometimes this can win you work sometimes but often it doesn't so it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do and if you lose by doing it then that's reasonable too i said i then went on to say trying to recognize when to do this and when not to is hard and i might talk about that in another show so here's that other show Right. It's kind of, there's a connection to it anyway. Um, okay. I'm, I'm talking about it because I think I've been a bit guilty lately of not really listening to what I'm being briefed. Maybe that's a bit too harsh. I think it's more a case of I'm hearing something in a particular way that I want to hear it, and then I go mm. with that hook, line, and sinker. It's like, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's what they're telling me they want, um, and we can do that brilliantly. And these are all the case studies of when we've done that thing, uh, because I think I've got this great story, but it wasn't really right in the first place. Was so, it the story people wanted to hear? Yeah, well, it's, it's partly. It's, it's me. It's me hearing something uh, and and translating it to something that's only eighty percent of it, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so the point of all this is to say you need to hear and listen um, to what people are telling you, and then you. And this is the real point, I guess, is that you need to be really, really honest about whether you can deliver on that or whether you want to deliver on that. Mm. Um, and obviously, if you can discuss these things, uh, what you can offer, or maybe that alternative that you really want to push um, before you put loads of effort into responding to a proposal, then all the better. Um, mm. And it might be that the right thing to do at that point is to walk away. And that's a really hard thing to do when work's been tight. And it appears that work has been tight pretty much across the industry, talking to mm. various people. So I think that's that's been a, a kind of case for me lately. So what I'm saying is we need to stick to our principles, things that I've been talking about on this show for, I, I can say, decades, and that's true, or a decade anyway. Um, things like things like not doing speculative design or, mm-hmm. or being careful about doing speculative design, not discounting too much. Um, and in the case of this particular thought for the day, lose your happy ears and really hear what people are saying. I think that that doesn't just apply to those of us that run agencies, mine. I think that applies in-house as well. Mm. Um, Someone's just mentioned in the um, uh, chat room that, you know, meetings are another place where that happens all the time. You could get a group of people that go out Mm. from a meeting and they've all heard different things. Oh, yes. um, You know, and interpreted what was said in very, very different ways. And that's actually one of the reasons why I love prototyping. um, Because, you know, if you have a meeting and discuss something... Um, then you'd go in, you can easily go away with different opinions. But if you create something together, then, you know, it, it, you've got something tangible to look at, mm. um, you know. And, and when I say prototyping, that's a bit kind of grandiose for, you know, doing some sketching in, in a workshop. But, yeah. you know, that kind I mean, of helps, I think. What well, just applies to everything Not you so- do, any any kind of conversation, I suppose. But in this yeah. particular case, it's... It, 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 there was a particular um, piece of work we went for where there was – I was briefed very strongly about a certain aspect of it, and I kind of heard what I wanted to hear rather than yeah. listened. And, you know, yeah. sometimes you have to kind of face up to these things. Yeah, and it's also – the trouble is it's very difficult, isn't it? Because, well, to bring it back to the subject of today, because of our psychology and our makeup that we have these – cognitive biases you know where we Mm. we we hear and see things in different ways i'll give you a great example i was going to give later later on in the the thing but i'll give it to you now because it's relevant if i said something to you like um jill is going to the bank right you tell me marcus what would jill be going to do at the bank well it wouldn't be give sperm would it (laughs) 
<laughs> ah, now that's the first time. That's the first time anybody's gone that route. But you've got the basic principle. No, you and I have had this conversation before. Oh, well, we, that's why oh okay. I'm, I'm so, with so you. normally you would say you would say things like you know to take out money to you know, yeah. rob the bank or whatever yeah. else. But, but it can, that word can mean different things in different contexts to different people. Yeah. So, for example, if you're an angler, river you bank, might think yeah. about the riverbank. Mm. Only Marcus would <laughs> think about a sperm bank. But there you go. Take some sorts. Um, but it's true. That shows you how easy it is to misunderstand one another, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. So it's, it's terrible. Yeah. How do you get around that, my Marcus? You've ju- you've... Uh, yeah, I you've, didn't answer the question, said, did I? No, you didn't actually, you didn't give us any solution about how to, to get around it, because it's a really hard thing to do. I guess it helps in your situation because you've got a partner in the business, mm-hmm. and, you know, if Marcus doesn't interpret, sorry, you are Marcus, if Chris Mar- doesn't I'm interpret Marcus, it, <laughs> yeah, I get confused, I'm getting old. Um, if Chris doesn't interpret it in the same way, then maybe you want to pay particular attention. Is that how you solve it? I was sorry, Chris, uh, sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> listening. No, because I, w- I was just thinking. Oh, it was a comment about you getting old. Lee Howells, who has been on this show many, many times, uh, yeah. and co-hosted it, was fifty years old yesterday. Bless him. Happy birthday! Oh, Lee. congratulations, Lee. Uh, and he does listen. So happy birthday. Anyway, yeah. yeah uh, sorry. The, the, what 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 you've got to do is is constantly question. And sometimes mm. we don't. Sometimes it is. It's happy ears. That's exactly what it is. Mm. It's like, oh, this is great. We, we've done something like this. We can show them blah, 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 blah. When actually it wasn't really what was asked. And and if you haven't got, if you're trying to mould your solution to, or your response to what you th- think is is being asked, then chances are you're going to regret it. So you need mm. to ask ask the question and then and, and be honest and say you know we haven't got experience of doing that we've done something like it is that what you're after if you can have a conver- have a conversation and constantly question yourself mm. and it is that that whole thing of every human does it we we fall into patterns of behavior right so mm. and i do it all the time you know um i i had an example of it recently where somebody came through to me um and they look they were looking to um uh, better understand um, how they can communicate and keep in, uh, their customers engaged over the life cycle so that they renew at the end of a period of time. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we, we need to do customer journey mapping because that's what I always say these days. And you just think, you know, it, it's like, what's the phrase about hammers? You know, when you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. nail. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, it's that that kind of mentality. You've got to be really careful about that, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. So, yes, all of this comes actually back to psychology, which is our subject for today. Um, and I want to start off by talking a little bit about why I feel psychology is something that we all need to pay attention to, no matter what part of um, the digital world we work in. Um, and we've pretty much covered one of them already, which is that, you know, if you have a good understanding of psychology, how people think, how you think, not just how other people think, but how you think as well, that's going to help you with sales. Yes. We've just kind of covered that. Um, and by extension, it also helps usually with marketing. Um, so, you know, if you understand what makes people tick, what resonates with them, I was, um, running my, uh, workshop, um, up in London, um, a couple of days ago, called uh, which was encouraging clicks without the shady tricks. You have to have a cool title. Um, I thought it was cool. All right, get off my case. <laughs> Going to say, yeah, uh, it's not that cool, Paul. But anyway, it rhymes. No, no. Yeah, there you go. That counts. Um, well, to be fair, originally that is that is actually Vitaly from Smashing Magazine. That's his title. My title was going to be encouraging clicks. Uh, no, don't be a dick. No, something about being dick and, and uh, yeah, and encouraging clicks. I can't even remember now. Which was funny, so, yeah. Which was funny, but no, we had to go with the PG version of it anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, why was I talking about that? Oh, yeah, because a lot of what we were talking about is persuading people to take action and stuff, and a big part of that is psychology. Mm. 
Um, so it's, you know, it's really, really important in marketing. It's also really important in design because a lot of um, the reason people struggle with a website is down to things like psychology. Why, you know, um, why just because your website's logical, just because it's well structured, doesn't mean people are going to understand it. And that goes back to the mental models things, you know, we like, like labeling of UI sections, uh, sorry, um, information architecture sections and things like that. It also is very useful if you have to deal with stakeholders. Um, I have found it absolutely invaluable for that um, as I've, I've learned how to deal with people um, and, and team dynamics as a whole. I mean, remember we talked, do you, do you remember, we must have talked on the show before about when we did um, those personality tests for whatever it was called. Oh, yeah. Get insights, wasn't it? No, no, that was somebody else. Just, just insights. Yeah. Yes. When we so, did, yeah, they were great. <laughs> but they were actually, you know, you joke and mess around. Basically, these personality, a bit like the Briggs Meyer personality mm. tests, they were, but um, actually much better in my opinion. I've done both, and um, and you get this big report back, and and seeing it also covers not just yourself but how you interact with other people. Right. Um, and for me and my, re- my working relationship with Chris, it made a big difference to me personally. I don't know whether it did to Chris, but I got, cause I used to find Chris incredibly frustrating, um, because he always felt very slow in his decision-making. He was always a bit kind of ooh, a bit negative about it, but learning a little bit about his personality type and my personality type made me realize, okay, yes, we are opposites, but actually that works and is very beneficial as a result. So, you know, things like that are really worthwhile. So it's team dynamics. Also, as a result, understanding yourself better. You know, I'm much more, I've never been particularly self-aware, let's be honest, but <laughs> I'm more so now I've understood a bit about psychology than I ever was before. So um, the, the only thing that I can remember from from the results of the test I did is that it, it said throws a good party. Uh, yeah, that will live. That will live with me forever. And it, <laughs> and it's very true. It was scaringly accurate, wasn't it? It's Based like, on what it's like you're reading questions. literally about just you, and it's the, uh, yeah, twenty five questions, terrifying. and they said that you can do it within twelve. But it, if people didn't trust it as much if they only did twelve questions. Unbelievable. Staggeringly amazing results. Yeah. Um, so, so you can understand yourself better. It, you improves your T dynamics, and that in turn will improve your career prospects if you understand how the boss thinks and how other people think. But basically, what all of that boils down to, every single one of those things in the list boils down to the same thing, which is if you understand psychology, you become better at communicating. Mm. Whether it's communicating through design, whether it's communicating in sales and marketing, whatever else. So it's an absolutely crucial area to pay attention to. Um, and that's why we're looking at it on the show. But I'm, before we get... Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I've got, uh, my, I have a mantra and I'm going to go off on one here a bit um, about the current... Well, not the current, you know, for the last 30 or 40 years, the state of our education system and what, what we focus on. And oh we, yeah, we focus on English and maths and science, and I think we should focus on critical thinking, history, and psychology and sociology. And I think mm. everyone should learn about those things from when they're little, because it's mm. so important to understand how yours and how other people's brain works. Uh, yeah. So yes, so I'm agreeing with you, Paul. But it's uh, massively important, and it's not just about. It's it's not just manipulating a, people. Yeah, and it's not it's not it's not about getting more clicks. Okay, it is about no. that, but it it's about being effective as a human, I suppose. Yeah, so, absolutely. There you go. Yeah, I mean, my encouraging clicks thing is obviously taking a particular angle. Mm. You know, where where it's you know conversion rate optimization, basically, mm. um, but which psychology plays a part in. But my interest in psychology goes way beyond that because mm. it's helped me in everything. I mean, to be honest, you know, uh, there's a big big phrase that flies around a lot about, uh, which is emotional intelligence at the moment. I don't know whether you've heard that. It's mm. it's basically a phrase that's been made up for, for techie people saying, you may be intelligent, but are you emotionally intelligent? Oh, right, right, um, right, yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yes, there's a, um, a big tech company has just been in the news about something like that. Uh, shouldn't say things like this, but I can't remember who it is. Oh, it's um, the people that do the big project management software. Atlassian. Um, oh, yeah. Um, they've, yeah, they've been in the news for basically not just judging um, their their staff on kind of their effectiveness at their job. It's also about their effectiveness at getting on with each other and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And all of that is based, you know, emotional intelligence really is about developing an understanding of how other people think and, and how mm. they behave. <laughs> anyway, before we get into what I think you should be looking at in particular in this area, let's stop um, and talk about our sponsor. Um, because it's actually, it's a very relevant sponsor if you happen to be somebody that is is looking to understand the psychology of your users and how they think Um, because it's called uh, testing time which is a service that um, helps you recruit users for testing which is absolutely invaluable because one of the biggest problems you always have is recruiting users it's really interesting I'm going to be using their service probably next week actually that was um it was very convenient. I suddenly thought, oh, I, I know about a company that does that. <laughs> this, this is a classic example of what I was talking about earlier on the thought for the day, where people say, we, you know, somebody could, somebody could ask, ask us for, we want you to do user testing and we want you to recruit, um, um, you know, real users and we want you to do, we want to have, you know, across five different user types and all this kind of thing. And we might sort of think, well, we've done loads of user testing. Um, we can point at when we did it and when we did this, ignoring the kind of, it's actually really hard to find the right people to recruit. So that's a good yeah. example of it. Yeah. So anyway, there's, there's, there's this great company that, that basically helps you do it. So you, so they'll, they'll find, um, people for you for usability testing focus groups interviews surveys whatever you need really um you can do both um online and remote kind of testing with people or you can do offline you know they'll even help you recruit for like on-site studies all kinds of stuff really anything you need they've got a pool of something like three hundred fifty thousand people um so they can recruit pretty much anyone you know from different types of requirements and it's all very simple and straightforward to do basically you go through like an order process which gives you a price that's calculated in real time so it's not like a oh contact us and you know then they sell it you forever if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so you you just go to their website which is testingtime.com and you select the number of people you need the type of study you're doing um, your standard requirements, you know, that you require in anything particularly special or unusual. And they normally deliver within 48 hours, which, you know, is a really quick turnaround. Mm. Um, you know, and there's, there's you know, the kind of customer um, te- you know, support or customer success teams is what they call them today, doesn't it? <laughs> Customers, customer support there to help you from the beginning to end of that process. Um, if you do decide to check them out... Um, if you could use the URL testingtime.com forward slash BOAG, then, uh, then I would get some, some credit for that. I will be using my own URL this week. So, they, so they're going to get it just what, at least one person out of it. So that's something. <laughs> I, I got a bit cross with one, one of their uh, competitors. I think it was just last oh, week. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, I was, right. I was just trying oh, well, to, I, wait, you mentioned that you, know, you have to... You know, you end up being talking to someone who just constantly sells at you. I just, I, I was t- trying to get an idea of price uh, out of their yeah. website and failed. And then yeah, I, tried to I get mean it. that's so annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then I got onto a onto a chat, you know, person on on chat. Oh no, no, we have to we'll, give us your your contact details, and somebody will, will talk to you about it. It's like, so I just said sigh, uh, yeah, and, and left. Yeah, I don't blame you. Because mm. you know, you know where that's going to go if you if you hand over those contact details. Anyway, right. So, what areas of psychology are most relevant? What should you be paying attention to? Well, obviously, that largely depends on your role. Um, however, the, what I want to offer you is like seven areas of psychology that I most often make use of. Um, and bearing in mind, I do, you know, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, a master of none. I'm hoping that this list will be fairly useful for most people in most circumstances. 
the first thing that I spend a lot of time um, referring to when I talk to people is um, the concept of system one and system two. Um, now, this is a something that was introduced to me through a book um, called Thinking Fast and Slow that I will reference again later when we talk about resources you can use. But essentially, it system one and system two is two ways of thinking, if you like, within our brain. System one is the autonomous, fast, subconscious kind of procedural way of thinking where you just recall or instinctively know so so for example if i said to you what's two plus two you don't have to think about that you know if i say what's the capital of france you know right it's those gut instinctive reactions Mm -hmm. system two is the deliberate considered conscious mind right um, so if I asked you what 27 times three is, you'd have to engage system two to know that, right? Yep. Um, so there's these two d- different systems. 81. System. <laughs> That's quite impressive. I don't know whether you're right. I have no idea because I'm talking. I can't do that at the same time, uh, which brings me on to the second one in a minute. But yeah, you, you, you work that out too quick. It ruined my flow. Um, so, so system... System one is pretty much limitless, while system two gets depleted and tired very easily. So we don't like using it. So we tend to kind of shift tasks from from uh, system two into system one where we ever can. So great example of that is driving. When you first learn to drive, there are so many things you have to think about. Changing gear, you know, uh, indicating, looking in your mirrors steering you know not hitting that small child those kinds of things right but when you do it enough eventually your brain is able to move that across into system one and that's when you arrive at work and go i have no memory of how i got here you know (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um so so from this has huge ramifications in all kinds of things right It, it has ramifications in design because um, we don't want to make people think because people don't like using system two. So if you suddenly change the design on people, then suddenly you break their ability to just do things using system one, right? Mm, yeah. So a great example of this is um, if I said to you, um, uh, where do, what's your process for searching on a website? You'll almost certainly say, I go to the top right corner, step one. Mm-hmm. I look for an input field, step two. I enter my terminology, step three, and then I press the button that's next to the input field, right? That's procedural knowledge. You don't need to think about it. System one deals with it, job done. You move that search box and then suddenly all that falls apart, right? So that's why it's so important from design. It's so important in lots of different ways because um, uh, in decision-making generally, um, so for example, Um, if I asked you to judge priorities or or judge probability of something. So if I said to you, what's the chances of Donald Trump getting reelected in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. The the complexity of that question is really quite challenging, right? We definitely have to use system two, you know, to think about, you know, how things are going to go and predict the future and all of this kind of stuff. And because that's just too hard work, what we do instead is use system one and we substitute the real question for a simple one, which is, is he popular at the moment? Right. Which is no actual indication of whether or not he will really get um, reelected. So we do all these kinds of weird things. So, so system one and system two is definitely something worth reading up about. I can't go into it all in detail here. There's a kind of knock on from system one to system two is something called cognitive load. And again, this is really important for designers. Um, the fact that we we don't, if, if we start encountering something that is too difficult and too problematic for us, system two has to kick in to deal with it, right? Um, and so if we're busy, if we're stressed, if the uh, interface is complicated, if we're in a bad mood, if it's inconsistent, it, you know, all of these different factors increase our, our cognitive load, right? We have to think more and more, right? Yeah. But what's really interesting is when our cognitive load gets high, not only do we get overwhelmed and are unable to, to process all the information 
that we're confronted with and we start missing things, right? Um, also, you have this other problem, which is that you start to get grumpy. You start to get cynical. You start to um, find whatever you're dealing with untrustworthy, right? All those things have negative impacts, right? So, so cognitive load from a designer point of view is absolutely key and is the reason why we always go on about keeping things simple that's the psychology behind it something called cognitive load so have a read about that because that's really interesting as well then we've got mental models all right so that's the fact that we all structure and organize information uh, differently which goes back to that jill and the bank thing we were talking about earlier right so just because your information architecture makes sense to you doesn't mean it's going to make sense to anybody else Right. Just because Marcus understands the terminology he puts in a proposal about user experience or, you know, design systems doesn't mean that the person reading it will, which is why you have to use plain English all the time. Um, so, so mental models is another a, a huge thing. And the fact that everybody kind of makes different connections in their heads. And that's why. People hear different things when they're in those meetings, etc. So yep. mental models really worth um, uh, looking into. Um, Andrew's just uh, pulled up a really interesting uh, question in the in the chat room where he says, "Is this uh, talking about cognitive load and procedural knowledge and that kind of thing? Is this why everybody um, hates a website?" Um, uh, uh, when you start fixing it, when you start changing things on it, right? And it's really true. This is why, you know, every time Facebook redesigned their website, everybody goes into meltdown, don't they? Oh, they've changed it. They've ruined it. What on earth have they done? This is the worst thing ever. And that's because you're breaking people's um, mental model. You're breaking what they know, what they've learned to do on that website. So it's actually one of the big reasons why you really want to try and avoid big redesigns because it will alienate your existing users that have learned to use it in one way. And then you've broken that that procedural knowledge, that that um, knowledge of where where things are going. <laughs> oh, sorry. And, uh, Andrew, Andrew says, oops, he's obviously just done a, a major redesign. <laughs> ah, OK. <laughs> on Paul yeah. Bowag's um, uh, advice. Probably on my <laughs> advice at some point. Yeah. Um, no, no, you should. So, so ideally, you want to kind of avoid those big redesigns. Um, and what, what you do, if you have to do them, because there are reasons. Sometimes you actually want to, you know, it's right in the long term to do that. Um, the key with it is to hold your nerve when you first do it because everybody goes into kind of starts complaining when you go live. What on earth have you done? This is the worst thing ever, blah, blah, blah. But normally after a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, they start to realize that they've, you know, or they start to get used to the new system, right? So everything calms down. Everybody kind of gets over it and moves on with their lives, right? Mm. So, and don't forget, this is only going to affect repeat users, right? If you're coming to the website first time, they're not going to kind of know about it anyway. So anyway, yeah, that's the, there's, it's a fascinating subject. Cognitive load, mental models, procedural knowledge, look into it. It's all brilliant stuff. The next one is halo effect. This is the reason why you find Marcus more trustworthy than me. Because... I've got a um, halo. Is that what it is? No, no. It's <laughs> it's to do with it's to do with your pop star genes, Marcus. Right? We with the halo effect, we make um, unconnected um, associations. Right? That's right. So yeah. it's it's the reason why more attractive people are considered more trustworthy than less attractive people. I have just said that you're more attractive than me, Marcus. I'm sure of that moment. Exactly. Well, it, you, you couldn't be in a boy band if you were ugly, could you really? So, so you must have been at some point. I'm, I'm old and grey and haggard now, though. Yeah, but you still got you got that twinkle in your eye. As as what? Who is it who said that to you? On never mind the buzzcocks. What was her name? She's from... somebody pink or something. No, no, it was she was from singer from Norway or Sweden. Uh, I'll come back to you. Never mind. Anyway. The long and the short of it is we make conne um, connections that aren't really there. So what this means, this is why design actually matters. The aesthetics matter on a website. Because if you see um, a, a website that's badly designed, you'll conclude that the company's crap, 
right? Yes. Even though those two things aren't really linked, we, we make that assumption. It's the same thing as simplifying the question, like with the Donald Trump example. It's too complicated to make a real judgment, so instead we make an instinctive judgment based on the av- available information. What you see is all there is, right? So even though there are other things that we should consider... We don't consider those things and make a judgment based on what's right in front of us. So I can give you an example of that. If I said to you, um, George is a studious, carefully considered person. Is he more likely to be a librarian or a farmer? Right. And our instinctive, everything in us cries, he's a librarian. And that's because we're making a judgment just based on the knowledge that we've got there and then. Right. We, we, we don't consider that there might be other factors we're not aware of. Factors like there are 20 times more farmers than there are librarians. Right. There you go. So the halo effect is this, this transferring of, uh, of kind of um, feelings that, that aren't necessarily related to one another. This is Steve Jobs had this in abundance. People would go into a room with him. Um, he was charismatic. He was charming. He was Steve Jobs. Um, so everybody would come out thinking that his ideas were a good idea. And it's only once they got a bit of distance from him that they realized, hang on a minute, they're crap ideas. And that's, <laughs> the ha- that's the halo effect in action. Yes. Oh. Right. Uh, next up is Hicks Law. Um, which is, this is really interesting for designers, really important. The time it takes to make a decision increases with the number and complexity of the choices available. Yeah. So this is choice paralysis. Have a little um, explore of the subject of choice paralysis. It's really, really fascinating. I'm moving a little bit faster now because I'm realizing that I'm spending too long talking about all of this stuff because I get really into it. But Hicks Law is absolutely fascinating, um, especially when it comes to things like choice paralysis. So, the, so the, the most famous example of this would be a study that was done in um, California grocery stores where they put out six varieties of jams um, or preserves, as they called them. Um, and they, they basically said, you know, they, they monitored how many sales they made. Then they put out 20 different varieties of jams and monitored how many uh, sales they made. And they made considerably more sales through six varieties than they did 20 because people were overwhelmed by the choice and they didn't make a decision. That is choice paralysis in a nutshell. Um, so we need to make our choices very distinct. Now, that kind of applies in all kinds of situations, right? It doesn't just apply on your website. That's the obvious one. You know, don't have too many calls to action. Um, but it also applies in things like writing a proposal, right? People want choice. But if you make the, that choice too complex, you overwhelm them and they don't choose or they go elsewhere. Mm. So all kinds of we do this with children all the time, right? You give them a choice, Right. Because they want a choice, but you really make that choice fairly obvious and fairly limited because otherwise you're just going to overwhelm them with all the options available. Um, also, with the children, a child, you basically, you know, trick them. But that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. Bad parenting tips from Paul Boag. Uh, then there's familiarity bias. Right. That we are um, uh, we are naturally uh, predisposed to things we already believe. Right. Um, uh, and so so what this where this gets really interesting um, is that it becomes quite hard to change people's default behavior um, because they they prefer to stick to what they already believe is true and what they already believe is right. Um, so this is the reason this is a really important thing when it comes to things like interacting with colleagues and persuading colleagues. So there's a great article by Jared Spall called Why Can't Convince Executives of Anything and Neither Can You? <laughs> um, and, and the article basically says there's no point of trying to persuade your executive to care about user experience. Right. But what you can latch on to is what they already care about, what they're already familiar with and frame user experience in that regard. So if they want, if they care deeply about cost savings, you talk about cost savings and so on and so on. And the very last one I want to mention is loss aversion, right? Loss aversion is the, the, the whole thing that we, we, um, feel the sense of losing something twice as much as the uh, sense of gaining it, okay? 
So um, what this means is that we're very connected to things that we've already got. And if you need to persuade people to give up those things, you've got to work hard to persuade them of that. Um, so again, this, this applies in sales, it applies in design, it applies in, in dealing with stakeholders and colleagues, because oftentimes you need people to do something or give up something. Mm. Uh, and you've got to have a very compelling case um, in that case. So what I'm encouraging you to look at is system one and system two, cognitive load, mental models, the halo effect, Hicks law, familiarity bias, loss aversion. And boy, is that just the tip of a massive um, subject. It, it's so exciting. There's so much really cool stuff in it that can be really easily applied um, to your uh, to your projects, to your work, to everything that you do. Okay, before we talk about resources or where you can start to learn all that stuff, um, we come to our second sponsor, which is me. I am my own sponsor. Oh. <laughs> so I, I, I've purposely held back a sponsor because it's really, I find it really annoying where, yeah, oh, two sponsors a show. And then actually what happens is you, you get just sell and sell and sell all over the, top yeah, of the then, show. Yeah, <laughs> then, then there's your own selling on top of it as well. And it's like, no, that's a bit much. So I thought I'll, I'll reserve one sponsor slot just to talk about something I want to talk about. So bear with me, right? We're going to be doing a, uh, a masterclass, an online course, live course consisting of, you know, about four, four sessions over four weeks, one a week, where we're going to look at better ways of managing projects, basically, how to manage your projects in a more efficient way. So we'll be covering things like how to run a better discovery phase, how to make use of prototyping, proof of concepts, alphas, that kind of thing. How to iterate and test your way towards a final product rather than just, you know, creating a specification and then going and building it. We're going to look at how to continue optimizing your, uh, your project post-launch. Um, we're going to look at how to avoid those really painful specification phases where there's hundreds of meetings with lots of stakeholders over months. Um, we're going to look at how to make your projects more profitable and more predictable. Um, obviously, if you're in-house, the predictable ma- bit really matters. But when you're, you're uh, running an agency or a freelancer, you need them both to be predictable and profitable. Um, and then finally, we're going to look at how to create deliverables with the best chance of long-term success. Um, so it's really, it's really ideal whether you're running a small project or a big project, I'm pretty confident that any of the things I can, I'm going to suggest can scale. You know, so even like a discovery phase, you know, which you think is this thing you only do with big proper projects. Actually, a discovery phase can be a couple of hours worth of work. You know, um, you can really scale it, but, but have that underlying principle in place. Um, so, so whatever size your project, I think it will be useful. Um, uh, we, you can use it whether you're an in-house team, right? If you're an in-house team, you want to achieve more with less, which is a common problem that most in-house teams have, that they're expected to do more and more with less people. Um, it's great for agencies, obviously, looking to make their projects more profitable. So you might want to check it out. It starts on Friday, the 4th of October and runs for four weeks. If you can't make any of the live sessions, that's not a problem. All the sessions are recorded. You can get videos afterwards. If you want to find out more, go to boag.world forward slash DPM, as in Digital Project Manager, DPM course. Um, And if you use the code podcast, you'll get 20% off too. Never say I never give you anything except. I don't think it, an incentive like that, it doesn't really feel like you're giving anything, does it? Because you're basically using it to persuade people to buy. I'm just, you never I, know. I'm just I, nodding, I, Paul. I might <laughs> give you a Porsche at the end. Could happen. Really? It's not, no. <laughs> or is that, no, is that West couldn't. Country for push? Are you, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you a push. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. Right. Okay. Let's talk about resources some more on psychology. Um, I've got a whole load for you. Um, so you're probably going to need to go to the uh, show notes in order to get all of these. Um, you can get to the show notes by going to boagworld.com. Um, I'm trying to remember what our, the URL is for our show notes. My brain has just gone blank. Well, it's fart, season fart. 24 and this is episode yeah. four. But what the URL is, I haven't got a clue. So that's, so that's boagworld.com forward slash season 
forward slash 24 forward slash episode forward slash S24 E04. You're not going to remember that. So just go to <laughs> boagworld.com, hit on show, select the episode. What do you want from me? You can work it out. You're grown ups, right? I think I've just exceeded people's cognitive load. Maybe, like, yes. That URL. Now, they're all trying to anyway, remember it and they hate you now because they're, you've, um, yeah, you've exceeded they're, they're, their cognitive load. They're really, they're not even trying to remember it. I know that damn well. Right. Okay. So here's some resources if you are interested in the subject. If, I, if I've whetted your appetite, first of all, um, there's something called Bite Size Psychological Insights, which is a card set you can buy, right? Of 60, really, this is for designers, for 60 design patterns driven by psychology, right? And each card has got a different kind of psychological thing on it. Um, and then how you can use that from a design point of view. Right. So so that's a really great resource to get if you're a designer. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Second one is also for designers. I'm biased. I tend to work in design is 100 things every designer needs to know about people, which is an excellent book. Right. Very simple, very straightforward, very accessible to pretty much anybody. Um, So so that, yeah, I would encourage you to to check that one out as well. Okay. Talking of accessible, easy to grasp stuff that's not too stressful, um, two books to recommend. The first is Hooked, how to form, uh, how to build habit forming products. I haven't read this one. And if I'm honest, I'll tell you why, because I'm put off by the title, right? Because basically it's how to manipulate people into (laughs) not leaving your product alone. But I hear it's very good, so I'm recommending it. The one that that I will recommend personally, because I have read it, is a second book called Nudge. And Nudge is a really, really interesting book about how you can use psychology for good, basically, to to encourage people to do um, things that they need to do. So, for example, how do you encourage more organ donations? You know, that kind of stuff. Really, really interesting book. Another book that you can check out if you're a designer and you want to kind of go a little bit further now, this is encouraging you to to explore psychology a little bit more. This is a, a book, um, a free ebook, free, that's always a good word, by Joe Leach called Psychology for Designers. And what that's teaching you is not, it doesn't just go through a load of psychological principles like I've done in this show. It actually teaches you how to learn about psychology and how to validate um, what you're learning and how to apply that. So it's a lot more kind of thinking methodology. So it's really, really good book. Then if you really want to kind of go into the deep end, right? Um, and you, you, this is this is hard going, this, this particular one, I'll be honest with you. Um, but it's really good. It's Thinking Fast and Slow, the book I mentioned earlier, right? Oh, yeah. um, it's a really excellent book, really enjoyable and applies whatever your situation. Um, the last, I did want to just also mention one of my own posts, um, which is how to fix the devastating impact of cognitive load on your site. Um, uh, because we were talking about cognitive load, I thought I'd throw that one in as well. So there you go. I've actually done all right time-wise. I haven't run as long as I thought I had. I, I felt like I was over-enthusing about <laughs> subjects and was talking too much, but there you go. Marcus, do you have a joke for us? I do. I'm still desperately trying to find the name of that singer. I'm failing. Never mind. Um, yes, this one, actually, I have a, as I told you on, on uh, the first episode of season 24, I have so many jokes because I've been saving them up over our six months off. This one came in today and I liked it so much. I'm going to use it. It's from Daryl Snow again. Daryl used to do zillions of jokes for me. Then he went away for a while and now he's back again. So you kind of wonder. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, so I started building, sorry, I started a business building yachts in my attic. Sales are through the roof. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite good, isn't it? That's... (laughs) That's the first one where I think for a long time where I've honestly laughed, you know, without, without it kind of being, well, I have to show some, some, well, some things you can think of funny, but not laugh out loud at. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Well, um, uh, oh, oh, Kat has just, Mm -hmm. uh, has just recommended another podcast. Apparently there's a podcast called Cognitive Bias by Dave, uh, David Dylan Thomas. 
Short episodes, 10 minutes each, each looking at a different bias. Wow, that sounds superb, Cat. Mm. Cool. I'll definitely check that one out. Thank you for that. That's good. Um, and I'll, yeah, she's even kindly sent me the, uh, the link to it. So I will, I will put that in the show notes um, so that it's, uh, it's all nice and neat for everybody. Cool. Yeah, that was the, the first, first um, link. Uh, sorry, first joke I've heard in a while that's made me actually laugh out loud. So thank you. Who is it, Daryl? Daryl. Was that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah, for that. Right, next week, Marcus is doing the whole show. Am I? Because we're talking. No, I just made that up. Because um, we're talking about sales <laughs> <Panic>. and marketing. <laughs> that was brilliant. That reaction was just superb. Um, <laughs> am I? <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Whatever. Well, we're talking about we're talking about sales and marketing. So I thought you might have quite a lot to say, at least on the sales side. Of this it. one might be a longer show than normal because this all the psychology yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know most of the stuff you've talked about you've talked about it in in the past and it's fascinating but it's not kind of my pet subject so i just let let you run but next week i won't be able to shut up yeah well it perhaps perhaps it's not an entirely silly idea if you drive next week and i jump in on you let's let's see what the notes are see what you come up with paul Oh, I see. Oh, I still got to create the notes, <laughs> right? Right. So even if you end up driving the show, I've got to create the notes for you. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. How the hell does this? <sighs> I ask him to do one thing. He can barely manage his thought for the day. Huh. Anyway, we will continue our bickering off, <laughs> off air. But thank you very much for listening to the show. And uh, we'll be back again next week when somebody will be talking about sales and marketing. But until then, thanks for listening. Oh, right.